Um, good morning. Today's daf is daf Yud Zayin. I'm going to go from the 15th last line of Tezayin Amud Bay's 15b. Remember, the Mishnah was discussing if you have if some if people are traveling and they have a caravan, so they want to make a partition around it so that they can move around on Shabbos. And in short, we're discussing inferior types of mechitzas, inferior types of um, partitions, and the two that we yeah that we left off that what we left off I mean the yeah the last point we made the the last one we suggested was a mechitza made out of poles. Uh, you stack you stand up the poles upright. I guess you just push them into the ground a little bit. And you just make sure that there isn't a three tefak gap between them. Remember, as soon as there's not a three tefak gap, then it's lovud, and lovud is viewed as a solid partition. So that was the one solution. And then we had a four. We had four different opinions. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda said this is only with the shayora. The chachamim came along and said no, it's not specifically with the shayora caravan. They just mentioned a caravan because that's the norm. And then we had another opinion, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda's son, he came along and he said, you can never use this mechitzah unless it's shesi ve'erev, unless it has horizontal and vertical um, components to the mechitzah, to the partition. And the Chachomim came along and said, nah, it just has to have one of those two. So with that in mind, what is a shayara? So as we're going to see, a shayara caravan means a group of three people, travelers. One or two people is, uh, is, is considered an individual in this context, and a group of three people is considered a shayara caravan. So the Gomorrah points out that by shayara, so makivin, makonim, etc., you can fence it with uh, using these just poles. I just vertical says Bishayora in Biyochiloi. This implies that Rabbi Yehuda only allows it with a wagon. This that you're allowed to use this inferior machitza. I again an inferior machitza we mean either vertical or horizontal. Remember the vertical is like we've just said with poles in a in a guess in a circle or in a square going around the encampment in the, the camp. Or um, the other type we saw was like ropes, put up a pole on each corner and tar ropes from end to end. So again, that would be only horizontal. But Rabbi Yehuda came along and said, this is only with the Shayorah. Rabbi Yehuda said, all these inferior mechitzas are only permitted to a yochid if they uh, do not permit a yochid to carry if they more than two Beit Seah. Beit Seah is an area. So if it's more than two Beit Seah, it doesn't work. But now what do we see? That an individual who sets up an inferior mechitza less than two Beit Seah can carry in it, which seems to contradict Rabbi Yehuda who said that this that you can use a inferior mechitza is only if there are three or more people, if only if there's a caravan. So the Gemara answers, Kodoma Rav Nachman no, like Rav Nachman and some say it was Bibi Baravaya said elsewhere, this is regards to giving them as much as they need. So to here we mean to give them as much as they need. I, For an individual, one or two people who want to make up an encampment and this rickety encampment, they are only allowed up to two Beit Seah. But a caravan, they can have as much as they need. Okay, obviously they can't make it too large, but they can make as much as they need, even if it's much more. So when our Mishnah said... This is by a shayora. We're saying the shayora can make this area that they fenced in using, let's put fenced in inverted commas, fenced in, is as large as possible. It says, now, where did Rav Nachman or Rabbi Barabaya actually state their point that there's a difference between a certain limit and as much as they need? It says, on the following Mishnah. Or the following part of the Mishnah. said, Any Mechitza that does not have vertical and horizontal components is not a Mechitza. Did really say this? Whether it's an individual or whether it's a caravan, three or more people, they can use ropes as a Mechitza. 
When, what is the distinction between a yochid and a shayara, an individual and a caravan? Whether it's one or two people, you give them just two beitzayah. Gimel, nasu shayara v'noislehem bas sheish. If it's three people, I a caravan, then they get six beitzayah. Gimel nasu sorry divrei Rabbi Yosi Rabbiuda that's Rabbi Yosi Rabbiuda's opinion. Machachomim oimrim echod yochid veechod shayor noislim called tzorchod. The chachomim say no whether he's an individual or whether he is whether it's three people they can have as much as they need. Ubelvad shelo yehi beitz osayim ponu as non as long as there is not two beitz sayer empty. We'll discuss this over the page, but. The point that we want to focus on is Rabbi Yossi Brebuda. In the Mishnah, Rabbi Yossi Brebuda said you can never rely on a mechitza that is made up of either vertical or horizontal. It has to be made up of both vertical and horizontal components. And here Rabbi Yossi Brebuda says, no, if it's a one or two people, they have up to two beitzaya area with such a mechitza. They can fence in an area of two bait sayah with such a mechitza, and if it's three or more people, then they can fence in an area of six bait sayah. But we see, so what is it? He can never use this type of mechitza, either vertical or horizontal, or he can just limit it to sayah. So this is what Ram Nachman and some say it was Rabbi Barafai said. No, what he's saying is you can never use as much as you need. I, you can't make, let's say you really need, it's a huge caravan, they have, they're going on a long journey. Um, I remember once reading about uh, how they used to, it's the, I think it was George Washington or something like, um, or Church, or Winston Church, how they used to travel on, on a safari. They used to pack the, those huge, huge wagons with every single luxury under the sun. I think it brings one of them even brought their grand piano with them on safari. And that's how they used to go on their super luxury five-star game adventures. Um, so that's what he said. So you have one of those encampments. You're going to need much more than two bait sayer or three bait sayer. And Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yehuda says you can never have more than those amounts, even if you need much more. That's what his opinion is. Okay, now we're going to see what's the halacha. So Dorash, Rab Nachman, Mishum, Rabbeinu Shmuel, Rab Nachman said, gave a drosha quoting Rabbeinu Shmuel. Yochid noisim lo beit sosayim. An individual, so Yochid noisim lo beit sosayim, beit noisim lo hu beit sosayim. Whether it's one or two people, they get a beit sayah. Either only allowed to fence in a maximum of two sayah. Gibel, nasu shayorav noisim lehem bat sheish. If it's three people, we give them six beit sayah. Now the Gemara also Rav Nachman he says Shavkas Rabbanon va'avtok Rabbi Yosi Brebuda you're leaving the rabbis and going like Rabbi Yosi Brebuda because remember Rabbi Yosi Brebuda was the one who limits it the Rabbanon said if it's a, a caravan as large as they need so why is he paskening like the individual Rabbi Yosi Brebuda so Hadar Oikim Rav Nachman Amora Leo Rav Nachman set up an Amora and Amora was like the loudspeaker not all remember they didn't have loudspeakers. And they sometimes spoke to huge crowds. So they had a specific person who was <coughs> <coughs> who had a loud voice and he could give it over to the public. And he revised his aloha. He says, Vidorah. This that I said before was a mistake. Barom, however, Kach Omru, this is what they said. An individual gets two beitzayah. Two people get two beitzayah. That's the math. That's how much they get of these inferior mechitzas. The area that they're allowed to fence in with these inferior mechitzas. If you have three people, well, now they're a shayora, considered a wagon, a caravan, and you can give them much more, as much as they need, called tzorchon. Now the Gemara asks, Reisha, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda. But still, he's following Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda in the Reisha, the Sefer Rabbonin. Now the difficulty again is we have this, because remember, the Rabbonin, the Rabbonin in the Mishnah don't restrict it at all, this Mechitza. But Rabbi Nachman restricts it to 
two Beitzaya for one or two people. So he's still going like Rabbi Yossi Rebuda. So he says, yes, in Mishum de Kavua say yes, regarding one or two people, he's following Rabbi Yossi Rebuda and his father, Rabbi Yehuda. They both limit one or two people to Beit, to Beitzaya to just two Beitzosayin to just two Beitzaya. But when there's three or more people, well, then there's the Rabbonon, and even, it seems, even Rabbi Yehuda, everyone would agree, except Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda, that as much as they need. Okay, so that would be the Psak. That again, one or two people get Beit Seya, three, um, three or more get as much as they need. Omar Rav Gidl, Omar Rav, Rav Gidl said in the name of Rav, this is going to be a bewildering statement that we're going to clarify. It says, You sometimes have a case where you have three people, and they make a partition, one of these ricket, one of these inferior partitions around five Beit Zaya, and it's forbidden for them to carry. But Shevan, sometimes they can make it around seven Beit Zaya, Mutorin, and they can carry there. So wait, you're telling me we've got three people, and in one caravan they make a, they fence in an area of five Beit Zaya where it's forbidden for them to carry, and in another caravan they fence in an area of seven Beit Zaya, much larger, and they are still allowed to carry. That's different. So Amr Lai, Amr Abhachi, did Rav really say this? Says Amr Lua, rice and Nevi'a uksivi to Amr Abhachi. Says, I swear by the Torah, the Nevi'im and the Ksuvim that Rav said this. And Amr Abhachi, my Kasha, Rav Ashi says, I don't understand why they're so bothered by what Rav said. Says, Dilma Hachi ko Amr, this is what, perhaps this is what Rav was saying. Hutzrochu l'sheish v'hikifu b'sheva. If this caravan of three people had so much property that they needed an area of six Beitseya fenced in, and they fenced in seven Beitseya, that's fine, they can carry there. But if you had three people who only needed five Beitseya, and they surrounded it with seven Beitseya, then they can't even carry in the in um, in five within five beitzaya. I, as you have, it seemed. What? Why? Why? Why are we limiting if they? Um, if you've got three people who need five beitzaya, why are we limiting it to seven, I, or just under seven? Because we, um, at the moment, we're understanding that. The, each, once you have a caravan, you have three people, you're allowed as much space as you need, plus two Beitseya. As soon as you have two Beitseya unnecessarily, well then the partition, this inferior partition is considered too big, and it doesn't work. So, that's, that's our Havamina. That's why if you have three people who need five Beitseya, but they make the partition around an area of Seven bait sayer, that's two bait sayer more than they need. It's invalid. Says for of Elohodic Tani, what about the Brysa? What about where we taught? As long as you don't have two bait sayer empty. She says, My love, that must mean empty from people. I WhatsApp He says, No, how much space do you get? Each person in the caravan gets two bait sayer, and then you have a little, and then you can have. Up to Beit Seya, two Beit Seya, empty. I, in other words, here we had three people, so they each get two Beit Seya. That is six. Because then no Beit Seya is empty from person. And again, you can't have two Beit Seya empty, so as long as it's just under eight Beit Seya of area fenced in, it would be fine. So, where do you see to limit it to... Um, so why are they limiting it to seven? It should be muta to carry even if it's eight. Up to eight bait say if you had three people. It says no, my love is that yeah, ponum adam says there's low ponumikalim. What it means is empty from property, from vessels and kalim. I in other words, no. They can get as much space as they need as long as they actually need it for their property. As soon as within that area fenced in, you have Two bait sayer that is not needed. I it's actually empty. Let's say they were setting up their caravan for the weekend, and they decided, you know what? We've got a lot of property, so we need five bait sayer. 
but let's leave a large area just for, I don't know, for a soccer game on Shabbos. And we'll leave two Beitzaya not fenced, um, in empty from our property so that we can play, uh, um, play there or something. That would invalidate it because you can't have two Beitzaya empty from property. Okay, so that's um, that piece. Um, Itmar, another Machloik is regarding this. Yeah, well, let me just. Yeah, Itmar. It's been said, What happens if you had three? Aye, so they were allowed as much space as they needed. Again, if you have only two people, just to summarize again, if you have only two people, you only allow two Beitzaya. If you have, as soon as you have three people, you're allowed as much space as you need. Again, we're discussing fencing it in with either vertical or horizontal. I have very, uh, a low quality inferior machitza. But itmar, so itmar, what happens if you had three people, so you had a large area that you fenced in, and then one on Shabbos, one of those people died. Or Shnayim, you had two people, and you had built a lot, you had fenced in a large area, so you weren't allowed to carry. And then on Shabbos, someone joined them, a third person, which now made it a valid partition. So does it, what happens? So Rav Huna, had Omar Shabbos Goremes, but had Omar during Goremes. One says it's Shabbos that causes it, and one says it's the resident, the people who are staying there that affect its validity. In other words, Shabbos, um, there's an echo. I'm going to just put everyone on mute. Okay, if you have a question, just ask, um, just unmute yourself and ask. Um, it was just an echo. Um, so, so, oh, so back to the Gomorrah's question is, when Shabbos comes in, if it's a valid Eruv, I, it was only, it was larger than two Beit Seya, but it was for three people. And then someone, one of those people die on Shabbos, and now it's larger than two Beit Seya, but it's for two Seya. So the one opinion says you go after Shabbos. When Shabbos came in, could you carry in that area? And if you could, then even if one of the people die, you can't. If Shabbos came in and you could not carry in that area because there were only two people and it was too large an area fenced in, well, then even if someone joins you on Shabbos, and you go after when Shabbos came in, Shabbos go remes. Or the other possibility is that, no, maybe if you go, who's staying there? Are there three people staying there? It's a good Eruv. As soon as on Shabbos, one of those people die, it's a bad Eruv for the other way around. It's a bad, it's bad, it's too large an area fenced in and someone joins them. Well, now it's valid. So it comes along, um, so that's the Machloikes. Now we're going to, we didn't know who said what, but we're going to say, it's time to Rav Huna, who the Hama and Shabbos Goremes. We can actually work out that it's Rav Huna who said that it's Shabbos Goremes. You go after Shabbos. To Oma Rabba, boy me Rav Huna, boy me Rav Yehuda. Rabba said, I asked both Rav Huna and Rav Yehuda. Eruv derech ha-petach, v'nistam ha-petach. Well, yeah. Before we go into this case, we know that you're not allowed to carry from one Rishus Hayochit straight into the other Rishus Hayochit. So let's say you have a doorway. You actually have to have an area of a minimum of four by four tfochim. One second, Gavin. Um, you have to have an area of a minimum of four by four tfochim. If you have, so let's say you have a doorway between you and your neighbor, you're not allowed to carry there unless you make an Eruv Chatseros. We're going to ask, what happens if on Shabbos the doorway collapses, so now there isn't an opening of four tfochim between you and your neighbor, so granted you can still pass things over the wall, but you don't have that proper opening anymore, so it's if you couldn't theoretically make an Eruv. But on Erev Shabbos, you made an Eruv. I just want to read this point and then I'll come. So, so Eruv, Derev HaPesach, when he's done HaPesach, you made an Eruv because you had an opening and then they sealed the opening. Derev HaChalon, when he's done HaChalon. Or they, all through the window and then the window got sealed. I had collapsed or something like that. Mahu, what's that locha? Can you still rely on that on Shabbos? Says, Omar Li, and they both told me, Shabbos, Hovu Hutra Hutra. Once it was permitted to carry between the courtyards on Shabbos, I when Shabbos came in, you had a valid Eruv. Well, then even for the whole of Shabbos, you can. Tistayim, so that's conclusive. So Rav Huna says you go after at the onset of Shabbos. When Shabbos came in, was it a valid? Could you carry there? And if you could, even if that changes, you can carry for the rest of Shabbos. And if not, 
that if it was not good at the beginning of Shabbos, even if the factors change on Shabbos, you still can't carry there. Whereas Rabbi Yitzchak says, no, you go after the... So Rabbi Yitzchak says you go after who's actually there at the moment. Is it valid or not? Yes, Gavin, what did you want to ask? Another place. Oh, so we're on Yud Zayin Amud Aleph. Um, about just over a third down. Leimer of Hunavir Yitzchak Beplugsa. So, um, yeah, it's, it's actually almost halfway down Yud Zayin Amud Aleph. Let's say that Rav Huna and Rabbi Yitzhak are having the same machloikas as Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yudha. The Tanan, as we learned to the Mishnah, sorry, Mishtei Rochosel, if you have a courtyard that was broken on the corner, or a house that broke on the corner, either two walls by the corner um, broke, fell down. And so to a Mabui that the Koira or Lechi was removed. Rebuda says you can still carry there on Shabbos. Since you started off Shabbos with a good Eruv, even though over Shabbos it's been ruined, you can still carry there. Rabbi Yossi Omar, Im mutorim la'oyser Shabbos, mutorim la'otid lavo, Im asurim la'otid lavo, asurim la'oyser Shabbos. Rabbi Yossi says, no, if it's mutar for that Shabbos, then it's good enough forever. If it's not good enough forever, then it is, if it's not, yeah, then it's not good enough for that Shabbos. I says, you've got to look, do you have a valid Eruv at the moment? It can change its um, structure at the moment. So Leimer Rav Huna to Amak Rabbi Yehuda. It seems like Rav Huna is going like Rabbi Yehuda because Rav Huna says you go after Shabbos, the start of Shabbos. Was it valid to carry there at the start of Shabbos? Then you can carry on. Then you can carry there the whole of Shabbos, even if it changes. Rabbi Yitzchak to Amak Rabbi Yosi and Rabbi Yitzchak must hold like Rabbi Yosi because he says you go after. Is it a good eruv or not at the time? So that's the suggestion that that's what they're arguing. And the Gemara says, no, not necessarily. He says, no. Um, Rav Huna says, I could agree with Rabbi Yossi. Maybe Rabbi Yossi is stricter there because you don't have... Um, Rabbi Yossi is stricter because you don't have mechitzos. Let's just take the mabui because that's what we're familiar with. Let's say you had a crossbeam at the entrance of the mabui so you could carry in the mabui. Over Shabbos, something happened and it broke. Maybe there Rabbi Yossi is stricter and says you can't carry because you don't have the physical Eruv anymore. But in the case of the encampment that's fenced in, and one of the people dies, so therefore theoretically it's now too large the area that was fenced in, you do still have the Mechitzas, that validated carrying on Shabbos. So maybe he would agree with me in that case that you're allowed to carry on Shabbos. But Rabbi Yitzhak, Omar and Rabbi Yitzhak could also say, I can fit in with Rabbi Yudah. The reason Rabbi Yehuda says it's the case of the Mabui and the house, etc. are valid on Shabbos, is because the residents are still there. And the people that it was created as a valid machit, as a valid Eruv around a specific number of people, and that is still there. Whereas Hacha, in the case of the encampment where one of the people die or one of the people add, join in later, Lesnuladiurin, there aren't those residents, there aren't those people staying there. I much more significant than having Mechitzas is having, is having the correct number of residents that make it an Eruv. So in the case of the breached Chatzar or the Mabui where the Korah broke, etc., when Shabbos started and you had a valid Eruv, it will retain that status. Again, because you, the, it's still there, it's the same number of people. But where the Eruv was made for three people and now there are only two, it was, it's not... The, the residents, the people staying there have changed and therefore it's not the, what the Eruv was made for 
is not valid anymore and therefore it's invalid. Uh, he seems to, again, he seems to place much more effort, e emphasis on the residence that it was made for. If that changes significantly, well then it can undermine the Eruv. But if that doesn't change significantly, as long as you started with the kosher Eruv on Erev Shabbos, you can carry there the whole of Shabbos. Okay, so just in summary, should have maybe mentioned the summary, um, Oh, sorry, one more line. The Chachomim Oimrim Echo Mishnait Varim Hainu Tanakama on the Chachomim, the same as the Tanakama. If you go back to the Mishnah, we had Rabbi Yehuda set a point, and then we had the Chachomim argued on Rabbi Yehuda. Then we had Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yehuda, and the Chachomim argued on Rabbi Yehuda. It sounds like we have two Chachomim, and they seem to say the exact same thing that this fence of Either horizontal or vertical components is kosher. So they seem to be saying the same thing. So why does it list them twice? So the Gomorrah answers, no. Hainu um, is this not this, are these two Chachomim not the same? Says, no. There's a Machloikas regarding an individual in a settled area. I, the first Tana holds this leniency, this that we allow a mechitza made up of just vertical or just horizontal components is only when you're out in the open, only when you're traveling. We made a leniency to make it easier for him on Shabbos. But when you are in a settled area, are you in your town, in your home, and you need to make an Eruv, it cannot be made from this inferior partition. It has to have both vertical and horizontal components. Whereas the second set of Chachomim hold it doesn't matter wherever you are. It's a valid partition. An error, uh, if it's either vertical or horizontal, it is still valid. So it comes out from the Mishnah that we have yes, two main points. Um, I'm just following the, the halachic conclusion. Well, not the halachic conclusion. Yeah, the first point is halachic. But we have two main points. And in the second point, we have four different opinions. The first point is that up to Beit Sayer, everyone agrees that they valid. I, these rickety partitions, if they're fencing in an area less than two Beit Sayer, they're valid. They're good mechitzas, good partitions. Beit Sayer, we haven't really discussed this, is the size of the courtyard of the Mishkan. That's where they get this measurement from. We'll see it later in the Masechta, but that's where we get this two Beit Sayer from. It's not a number that was just... Um, Tamsak, it's based on the courtyard of the Mishkan. That's the two Beit Sayer. And... Then, regarding, then we have the four-way machloikas in the Mishnah. Rebuda says, by one or two people, it's limited to Beit Seya. But a caravan, I three or more people, then you have, then you can fence in as large as they need. The Chachomim who argue on Rebbe Yehuda, I the first set of Chachomim, say while traveling, even an individual can have as large as he needs. I he's not limited to Beit Seya. And then the third opinion was Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda. He says, no, a yochid gets two Beit and a caravan, I three or more people, get six Beit And that's the maximum ever. And Rabbi, the Chachomim who argue on him, the last Chachomim in the Mishnah, say, no, you can always get as large as you need. And it doesn't matter whether you're traveling or whether you're in the Yishuv or whether it's your home, you want to fence in your garden, etc., you can always use these no matter how large the area. Okay, new Mishnah. Gavin, if you weren't able to find it, we're at the Mishnah, three quarters down the Yud Zayin Amud Aleph. It says, There are four things that Chazal went lenient on in an army camp. They allow to collect wood from anywhere, i.e. even private fields. And... The second one is, They don't have to do Natilas Yadayim. We're going to see that this is Vasing before the meal, but you you don't have to do, they don't have to do Natilas Yadayim. Humid Mai, they're also exempt from Demai. Remember, Chazal said if you buy grain, we know that if you grain has, you have to take Trumas and Masros. If you buy grain from an Amoretz, then we say we're not sure whether they took Masa or not. Grain Doraisa, you can assume that they have because a majority do separate Maser. But Durabonin, you have to go strict and we call it the Mai. You don't know where the Maser has been taken and you have to separate Maser a second time. 
an army camp does not have to. And umela arev, and they also don't have to make an eruv. We will go more into that eruv a bit more, but just an interesting, more practical to us halacha regarding the tilas yadayim. Why are we lenient in the case of an army camp that they don't have to do the tilas yadayim before they eat? And, for, and a second point is, should they do something else? Like I'm sure you've heard of, if you're traveling and you don't have water, then you cover your hands in something and eat. Or should they rather try put off eating? Do they have to? So he points out that obviously what we're saying here is potur, and the, um, it means since there's a scarcity of water in an army camp, they're in a, and many say they're in a mokum sakana, it's dangerous, they're an army camp. Obviously, I don't think this is a base at home in the middle of the city or something. This is out on the way to war. Um, it's dangerous and therefore they potter. And Shulchan Aruch Harav says this very explicitly. Potter means they can go ahead and eat without the tilasid time without any worries. They don't have to, um, they don't have to uh, try eat the meat without the bread or try eat the vegetables. They can eat the bread with the meat. They can go ahead. They don't have to try cover their hands, etc. That would be the one point. Second point is, would this apply to anyone who's, let's say, traveling in the desert where water is a scarcity and it's a dangerous place? Or is it a specific leniency by an army camp? So, um, the Orchos Chaim, that's a Rishon, he says, yes, anyone who's in a dangerous situation, then he would be allowed to, and water is a scarcity, he would be allowed to rely on this heter and eat without time, eat normally without time. The Vilna Gon, amongst others, they seem to say that no. This is a specific leniency by an army camp. They bring proofs for that. Um, and a regular person traveling would have to do Natilasya time where he would have to do one of the other solutions. Okay, so that's just a slightly more um, practical point on this Mishnah. Um, you can definitely run. Shulchan Aruf brings that if you're in a in a desert and you're traveling and water's a scarcity and it's a dangerous place, you can eat without worry. So you can definitely rely on that psak. Okay, the Gemara now brings a brysa that elaborates on the Mishnah. Uh, army camp going out to a optional war. The contrast to a Milchemes Mitzvah. Capturing, um, conquering Eretz Yisrael, at least at the time of Yoshua, and defending the borders of Eretz Israel, and there was a third, and I think anyone else like Amalek, where we have an obligation to kill them, that's all a milchemes mitzvah. We're discussing now a milchemes rishus, I when the Jews are expanding the borders of Eretz Israel, some war like that, that would be considered a milchemes rishus. So there, so someone on the way to milchemes rishus, mutarim begezel eitzim is allowed to steal dry wood. We'll, we'll go into each of these when the Gemara analyzes them. Um, Rabbi Yehuda ben Taima says, They can also camp anywhere, even on private property. And any soldiers who are killed, they get buried where they are. They get buried where they are killed. Now the Gomorrah points out, asks, We said they're allowed to steal from dry wood. Now why? So they're allowed to, they're walking past a field that belongs to someone and there's dry wood that the owner's placed there in a neat stack to, for his cooking or for his warmth. These soldiers are allowed to take it. Again, we're speaking about Jewish soldiers who are, who are on the way to war and they're keeping the halacha. They're not, uh, we're not speaking about uh, a gang or a, illegal army or anything like that but so they're allowed to steal this wood now the Gemara is going to ask why do you say it's a leniency for a war he says this is one of the institutions of Yehoshua as we learned in Baba Kama there were 10 conditions that Yehoshua gave the Jews Eretz Israel and one of them was, they're allowed to graze their animal in forests. 
I, even though it's privately owned land and really you should not be allowed to graze your own animal in privately owned land, since no one really uses forests for planting, you are, Yeshua said, I'm only giving you, the Jews, splitting up Eretz Israel and giving you your Rusha on condition that you let other Jews graze their animals in forests. And they allowed to gather wood from each other's fields. I see, so you can go into someone's field and gather wood. So, why? So, why do you tell me that this, that the soldiers are allowed to take wood, is a leniency for an army camp? Any Jews allowed to go into another Jew's field and, um, and take wood. It's one of the conditions that Yeshua gave the Jews Eretz Yisrael. So, we're going to see that there's three requirements no, for a regular person to do it. It says, Hasam behizmi behigi. There, it's only with small bushes. Hacha beshar eitzim. Here, we're speaking about even proper wood. Inami, alternatively, but it seems in addition. Hasam bemuchubarim hacha betlushin. There, it's only while it's growing, whereas here, the army camp, even once it's been picked. If there are a few little bushes around, then a person's allowed to go and take them because most likely the owner doesn't care. But if we pick them and stack them up, clearly he does want them. So you would not be allowed to take them, but an army is allowed to take them. An army on the way to Mulchemes Rishuth. Or alternatively, there the armies, um, there, no regular people are only allowed to take moist wood because the owner is not going to bother with these little shrubs of moist, uh, I guess basically little, basically twigs and shrubs. Um, but, a soldier is even allowed to take dry wood. So that's the difference. That these three, um, this that a Jew is allowed to walk into another Jew's field and take wood, is basically growing shrubs and bushes, thorns, etc., that the owner normally doesn't care about. As soon as there's a sign that the owner does care about them, he's picked them, he's stacked them, he's left them to dry, then a regular person would not be allowed to take them. But a sol- an army camp is allowed to take even good quality dry proper logs proper wood not only these little bushes next point is they can camp wherever they are or they can even camp on private land and they also you bury any soldier who's killed he's buried where he dies he says Pshita. Okay, this is obvious that the soldier can be buried where he dies. He says, Meis mitzvah, who? No, Meis mitzvah, koina makoima. He's a Meis mitzvah. His relatives aren't there to bury him. Therefore, he's what's called a Meis mitzvah. A Meis mitzvah is anyone that the first person who chances upon him has to bury him because he doesn't have his relatives to attend to his burial. So he's a Meis mitzvah. And we know that, it's again, one of the conditions that Yeshua gave B'nai Israel Eretz Israel, he said, on condition that if there's a Meis mitzvah, he's buried where he where he's found. You don't have to remove him from private property or to another land or something. So the Gemara answers, No, Lo Yitzricha, Afal Gav, the Islay Korvin. No, we're speaking, this soldier can be buried where he died, even if they are relatives. The Tanya, as we learn, there are people to bury him. The Tanya, as we learned in a Brisa, Ezo Meis Mitzvah, who's a Meis Mitzvah? Kol She'en Lo Korvin, someone who doesn't have people to bury him. If the person who's dying would call out and relatives would come to assist him with his last needs and his burial, that's not considered a mace mitzvah. So maybe this soldier does have people around who can attend, family who are obligated, relatives who are obligated to bury him. Still, since it's an army camp, they, for whatever reason, they, I guess they got to carry on in their journeys, they, they get to they bury him in there. Says now the, uh, they yeah you know, they can bury him there even the relatives. Says umais mitzvah konim akoyma. You telling me that umais mitzvah you bury him where he dies where you find him. Vahot tanya hamoitzi meis mutal besartia umafniu leyomi masartia oil smala sartia. If you find a mace in the road, you bury him on the left or the right of the road of the street. Sode bur vesode near. If you find him by a plowed field or a fallow field, then you move him to the fallow field. If there's a plowed field and a planted field, you just you bury him in the fallow in the in the just plowed field, the one that doesn't have grain already growing there. 
What happens if the two fields that he's that you find this mace by are equal? It's two plowed fields, it's two planted fields, it's two fallow fields. So you can bury him on whichever side you want, whichever field you want. But what do we see? That you do move a mace mitzvah. He doesn't get... If he got the place he died, well then when this mace died in the middle of the road, you have to bury him in the middle of the road. What do you mean you move him to the side of the road? Or he died between two peoples. He died in the road and there's a field on the one side that's left fallow and a field on the other side that's been plowed. So you shouldn't be moving him from one field to the other. You should bury him exactly where he was found. So he says, no, Omar of Bibi, Hachab, a mace, mutalala, and we're dealing with the corpse that goes across the road. Uh, he's from, he's died from one boundary to the next. He's lying perpendicular along the along the road. So you're allowed to move him to the side, from the boundary, from lying in the middle of the road. So therefore, you're allowed to move him to whichever side you want. Uh, you're right. Generally, if a mace mitzvah died in a field, you would bury him exactly where he died in that field. But here he's died along blocking the road. You're allowed to move him to the side of the road. And the reason is so that Rashi points out so that Kohanim and Taharo said you create a whole lot of problem if you have someone buried in the middle of the road is that anyone traveling on that road becomes Tome. And Kohanim are not allowed to become Tome. It's also if people are carrying Taharos or they want to be Tahar to go to the base of Migdash, they become Tome. So therefore you're allowed to move him out of the road. Once you're allowed to move him out of the road, well then you can move him to wherever you want or any fitted in with the above scenarios. Okay, then we said, You're exempt from... Um, washing your hands. This is specifically what we would call washing your hands before bread. But is an obligation. Come back to that. Why do they say is an obligation? Because there could be Melach Stoimis mixed in, which causes blindness. Sometimes find just one grain in a whole cur of salt. And what would be if you were just measuring out salt? You weren't eating or wiping your hands in salt, but you were working with salt. What would be that? You don't even, that's not even a question. Obviously, you have to do Natilas, um, you have to do Maimachronim. So, firstly, Natilas Yedaim before is a mitzvah, and Maimachronim is a chover. Chover does sound stricter, but it actually, it's a different type of an obligation. Natilas Yedaim is a mitzvah, I, and therefore the rabbis can waive it. This that we say Maimachronim is a chover is because it's dangerous. So it's dangerous from the aspect that, um, yeah, you know, it's dangerous from the aspect that uh, that it causes blindness, and therefore it's a chover that you would have to do. And even soldiers in an army camp have to wash their hands. If you look at the top right, the top toasters of the daf, he asks an interesting question. He says, "Ashav no logo my Why nowadays don't we do my machronim? I mean, there are, we have many of, many people, I've noticed, have a minag to do my machronim on Shabbos. But you hardly ever hear of people doing my machronim during the week. And many don't even do it on Shabbos. So he says, why not? Because we don't find that there's melach stomis. When last did you hear of someone rubbing their eyes after touching salt and becoming blind? Don't think it will be comfortable, but we never ever hear of it. There's no melastomis, and therefore you don't have to be careful with my machronim anymore. We never, it seems that they used to actually dip their fingers in salt at the end of the meal, and we don't do that, so we don't have to worry. Um, interestingly enough, yeah, so therefore that's, this would be, um, it's discussed elsewhere, I think Chulin as well, but this would be one of the main sources why we aren't careful with my machronim, is because my machronim was a thing that is done out of precaution for blindness and if that precaution and if that um, issue isn't there then there's no reason to do my machronim and that's why we don't do my machronim interesting enough there are many other posts there are other poskim argument tosses and say no my machronim is a gzaira and a gzaira it's a decree by the rabbis and bachazal 
And therefore, whether or not the reason applies, you still have to be careful with it. And they say you have to be careful with my machronim. Another point, al kabbalah. You know, many people who do my machronim on Shabbos just dip their finger, just put a little bit of water in the, on the ends of their fingers. That's al kabbalah, which again, many people have the practice to do it. al kabbalah, they do my machronim in that way. Um, and then just one final point I have to mention um, remember, so even if you're not particular with my machronim, and as I said, I, I think most people by far aren't, some have the minag to be careful with it on Shabbos. If your hands are dirty, if you touched food, well, you're not allowed to say a brocha without, without washing your hands. You're not allowed to bench without washing hands. Let's say you ate some uh, cake and you got a little bit of icing on your hands or you got a bit of grease on your hands, you shouldn't be saying a brocha with dirty hands. So not midin my not from the halacha of my machronim, but from the halacha of to say a brocha, you need to go wash your hands. I know my father is much more careful. He's not so careful that everyone does my machronim, but he will always go wash his hands. And he often tells us, says anyone who's got dirty hands, go wash your hands before benching. You know, like that. Uh, we Like he doesn't bring out a bowl or a, or a thing or he doesn't bring out something to do classic or my machronim but he, he reminds us that if we have dirty hands then uh, we have to wash our hands before benching okay that's a separate point now let's um the next point in the mission we mentioned demise remember again demise this grain bought from an amoret you're not sure whether he took mass or not so in general there is an obligation you're not allowed to have that grain until you've separated master why does an army camp not have to separate demai separate master from demai they can eat that grain as it is and again, just to reinforce, remember, this is only an Isu Durabonim. The Orisa, uh, you go after majority. And a majority of people in Eretz Israel did used to separate Maser. It was just a significant minority that never, so they made a Zaira Durabonim of Demai. So it's only Durabonim. That's why they can waive it for an army. But he says, You can feed poor people and travelers Demai. They don't have to separate Maser. Beishamai actually say you can't. You can feed poor people and travelers demai. And obviously soldiers are travelers, and therefore they would they could rely on this heter of Beishilal to eat demai. And then we said this army encampment is also exempt milaare from making an eruv. So Omri the This is only an eruv chatzeros. I, this that, he, that soldiers are exempt from making an Eruv is the sort of Eruv that would enable them to carry from one Rishus Hayochit to the next. That they don't have to worry about. They can carry from one Rishus Hayochit to the next. Remember again, Dorais, so just to reinforce, and this is an important principle for our Perik, um, this that we say, it's a Isu Dor, this that on Shabbos it's also to carry, that's from a Rishus Hayochit to a Rishus Harabim, or the other way around, or four Amos in the Rishus Harabim. Doraisa, Torah, you can carry from a Rishus Hayochit, you can carry from your house into your neighbor's house, again, if you're going directly into your neighbor's house, or you can carry into a Carmelist, etc. It's basically only... Um, but so it's a isu drabonin, and soldiers don't have to worry about that. Aval eruve tchumim chayovim, but an eruv tchumim they would be obligated. What's an eruv tchumim? So we've touched on this a few times. It comes up mostly later on in the Masechta, that when you where you have your residence on Shabbos, you're not allowed to leave two thousand amos out of that. Can we generally say in the city, so from the borders of that, your, the city is your residence and you're not allowed to go two thousand amos out of that. If you have an encampment. Or you just sit, just staying somewhere for Shabbos in the middle of nowhere, you would not be allowed to leave 2,000 Amos out of there. That's the Trum. Now, you can do an Eruv Trumim, is set up some food on the boundary just before 2,000 Amos outside of where you're starting off Shabbos, and you can consider that new point your Shabbos dwelling, and therefore on, let's say, Shabbos morning, you can walk almost 2,000 Amos to your. Eruv, where you left some food, and then you can walk another 2,000 Amos. So we're saying that this Eruv Tchumim, if soldiers wanted to go more than 2,000 Amos, let's say some had to do patrol or scouting and they had to be further than 2,000 Amos, then Chayovim, they would be obligated to set up such an Eruv. Now why is that? The Tani Rebbe Chia, Loikin al Eruv Tchumim Dvar Torah. You get lashed for Eruv Tchumim, Ayat Se Isu to go outside of your Tchum. 
If it's Ezud Araisa, well, then obviously the rabbis can't come along and say, we'll go lenient by an army troop. Now he says, Do you get lashes for a, for a love, for a negative commandment that is mentioned as Al? If the posuk that says you're not allowed to go out of the Tchum says, Al ishmim koimo, A man is not allowed to go out of his, his place on Shabbos. But what's the word used? Al. It doesn't say lo say a man's not allowed to go out. It says al. So he seems to be saying you're not allowed. You don't get lashes when the negative commandment. We know any time you break a negative commandment, the standard punishment is lashes. If it's written in the Torah as al, don't do it. Then you don't get lashes. Matkif lo ravacha bar Yaakov. Ravacha bar Yaakov challenged us. He says Don't do. Don't turn to different types of sorcery and necromancy. You tell him you don't get lashes. Everyone knows you get lashes for doing necromancy. So you can't tell me that when the Apostle phrases the negative commandment using the word Al instead of law, that it means you don't get lashes. So no, Rabbi Yonasan Hachi This is what Rabbi Yonasan was going on. He says, It's a love that is given to warn someone for Mrs. Bezdin. I, the love of Al of Ishmim Koima, a man should not go out of his place for Shabbos, which is also the source that you're not allowed to go out of your tomb on Shabbos, is the same warning that you're not allowed to carry on Shabbos. Now, if you're warning someone not to carry on Shabbos, then they would actually be put to death. So anytime you're giving a warning that would that's the same warning that someone would get put to death for. Ah, you're not allowed to go out of your place on Shabbos. Also means you're not allowed to carry on Shabbos. Even though you're warning them about a tchum, which is not a chiyuv misa, since it's the same warning that would obligate them in death, they get, it's, you can't get lashes for it. Any love that would be used to warn someone that they could be put to death by Beisdin, ain't like in a love, they can't get lashes for it. So Omar Ravashi, Ravashi says, Miksiv al yoitzi. Does it say he shall not carry? Al yaitzi, it says he shall not go out. So it's not a good proof. So, the, so that's the question. You're telling me. So, that, so, so again, so where do we start? Rabbi Chia said you get lashed for going outside the Eruv on Shabbos. Rabbi Yonasan asked, how can you get lashed? It's a love that's nita lazorus based in. It's a negative commandment that... You could, it's a, it's, a, it's a warning that you could be put to death for. I, you would tell someone not to carry by saying, the Potsuk says, you're not allowed to go out of your place. You're not allowed to carry. So Ravashi says, no, it's not the source that you're not allowed to carry because it says that would, then the Potsuk should have said, don't take out. What does it say? Don't go out. So it's specific to walking outside of your trum and therefore if you would warn someone don't walk outside of the trum and they do it anyway they could get they would get lashes for that and again this is all on the assumption that it's isudor isa interestingly enough again this is all in that opinion that walking outside of a trum is isudor isa la halacha as far as i know at least the 2000 amos trum we pass in is only a isudor abonim if it's Isudra Bonin, well then there wouldn't be lashes. But as I said, we'll see more about this Eruv Trumin and the Truman Shabbos later on in the Masechta. Okay, Hadron Aloch Mabui, Hadron Aloch Mabui, Hadron Aloch Mabui. And we'll start the second parak tomorrow.